Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I have Dr. Rachel Beanland on with us. She is a public health doctor, yoga, and meditation teacher. She supports women who are committed to personal development and ready to try new approaches to improve their health and well-being. So welcome to the show today, Dr. Rachel. Thank you. It's really exciting to be here. Yeah. So I would love to know a little bit about, um, I always like to kind of know how people got into the wellness space to begin with. So what was your journey with coming into the wellness space? Ah, uh, yeah. So it's interesting, I guess, because, you know, I trained in clinical medicine. So I worked to, as a doctor in a hospital setting for a long time, and then I shifted into public health. So looking at much more at population health, much more at like preventing illness and improving well-being. And interestingly, at the same point in time, when I made that shift, I also made quite a big shift in my own physical and mental health. Um, so I'd always been super interested in yoga, but it was something that I never really did very regularly. And when I was working in my clinical career, I was not looking after my own health whatsoever. I was like caring for other people way more than I was caring for myself. And I think being able to step back a little bit, have some time for a reflection, I started to realize that I did really needed to take time to think about my own health and the ways that I could improve my own well-being. Um, and so I started a much more regular yoga practice, which then, you know, over the last 15 years has kind of developed into wanting to explore it further and to start thinking about teaching it. And that's when I started to do yoga teacher trainings and to explore teaching yoga and meditation. Um, and yeah, now I love doing that part of my life as well as my, you know, public health work, which I still do. Um, but I think it has opened up a whole new kind of approach to well-being for me to see how it affected my own well-being, but to see how it can impact other people um, with, you know, simple practices, which are just so beneficial to everyday life. And now I wouldn't be able to not do them. <laughs> They're just so ingrained, you know, as part of what I love to do. How do you kind of blend them together then in your practice? And are people open to like, well, you're suggesting yoga and meditation? Yeah. So it's interesting. So at the moment I tend to work a lot with other doctors mm -hmm. who are finding it difficult to get a good work-life balance because I guess that's the world that I've come from. Um, and so I work, a lot of my one-to-one -one work is with other women, particularly who are doctors who are really struggling to get like their prioritizing time for their own health and their well-being. Um, and I think that that work opens up some of those discussions because quite often, I think we can end up with like what people like to sort of call like the sort of westernized approach to medicine and then, and then the more alternative approaches. But I think that traditional approach to clinical medicine where we're giving uh, prescriptions and treatments, we need to reshape how that is. We need to be open to those other approaches. And for me, those other approaches are about thinking about prevention and well-being, and that can encompass so many different things. Um, and I think that by having the approach that I do of trying to change the approaches that the medical community take for themselves, I think it opens up the door for them to think about doing it for their patients and the people that they come into contact with. Um, because I do find sometimes when I work with people that there's a bit of a resistance there to alternative approaches. 
Um, and I'm sure you've come across that as, as you've been teaching and sharing, particularly the Ayurvedic approaches as well. Um, so it is still a bit of a merge and a bit of a blend. And I think it's about kind of, I'd like to try and be a bridge a little bit between those worlds if I can do. Yeah. I mean, I can probably in the last, um, the last year in particular, I've had a lot more doctors actually reach out about Ayurvedic healing because I think, and that's where, I mean, really that's where it kind of can start because people are, you know, they're realizing the Western approach isn't working for me in terms of like stress management or like I, you know, a lot of them were just burnt out, you know, from the past couple of years. And so like having that other alternative and just being like, okay, let me see what, you know, what are some ideas that what, what is this? Cause I think sometimes we don't know, like you might hear it and you're like, well, what does that actually mean tangibly? What does, you know, what practices do they give? So I think that's like a beautiful, um, you know, kind of that bridge of like, okay, well, what does it mean to, you know, have a yoga or meditation practice, you know, and what, you know, what are those Ayurvedic healing modalities that people might recommend so I can help reduce the stress and heal. So I think that's a huge, huge piece. So if people are listening and maybe they're in that world and they're like, Ooh, you know, I am that, that Western minded, but I am open, you know, where do you kind of have people start, you know, is it with, you know, breathing quietly or how do you kind of get people to slowly um, dabble in maybe the Eastern approaches? Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, the physical aspect of yoga can be the entryway. I mean, that certainly was for me, like the asana practice, but I think what can be challenging about that is people often struggle to find time. So they struggle to go to like a 60 minute class or the frequency of a class. And they feel kind of, you know, adding that into their day can feel more stressful somehow because you've, you've made a commitment. Um, but I definitely think that the breath is a really useful way to start connecting to your body. Um, so I really love to share breath work uh, because for me, that was something that I actually learned through working in a hospital where um, we were doing like a trial on mindfulness approaches. So it was a set of nurses learning mindfulness approaches to see if that would help their stress and well-being in the workplace. And so someone came in and just, you know, really simply explained like a box breath, you know, like you're just gonna do this four breaths, you're gonna hold. Um, and it just stuck with me. And it was something that I started to use in my clinical practice, in my day-to-day -day life. And I think things like breath can really help people to get in tune with their physical body and the, the other layers of their body that just allows us to be kind of in the present moment. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. It's just like pressing the pause button on life and just being able to take, literally take a breath to, to feel that fresh breath coming in and know that that breath is just there and then out and gone. Um, so yeah, I love to do breath work. I think that that is a really great way to start because I think it just gives people the time, the space, simple techniques to try in their everyday life. And then maybe it, it moves on to meditation or maybe it moves on to a fuller, you know, asana practice or other aspects of, of yoga. But I think that's a great place to start. Yes, that's beautiful. And that's something that, I mean, you can do at any age, like kiddos can do it. I teach my son, you know, I'm like, okay, if you're getting mad, come back to the breath. Let's calm down. So I think it's just a beautiful practice and I've started doing it. I teach a senior class that is primarily 65 to, I think 96 is the oldest. And I was like, you know what, after the end of my yoga asana practice, let me just try this breath work. And they all love it. You know, I skipped it one day cause it was just one gal on the call. She was like, Oh, Andrea, but we forgot this part. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I love that. You were like, are asking for it. Like, so this, I didn't know if 
you know, that was something they enjoyed or they just did it because I'm leading them through it, yeah. but clearly they enjoy it. And so, you know, little things like that, that, you know, just trying it and just, you know, people can realize and see how quick it is to kind of shift our mindset and kind of shift out of maybe a funk if you're kind of like, ugh, feeling it. And they're just being like, okay, come back to the breath. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So I also know you talk a lot about nature and, um, you know, I want to love, I'm a big nature fan as well. And I would love to some ways that you personally, you know, recommend people to connect with nature and, you know, what are some holistic practices they could start with there? Yeah. So I live in the mountains and I guess I chose this environment because for me, it's so grounding to be outside and to feel that, um, attachment to nature, that connection. So one thing I love to do is get barefoot. Um, I think that that sense of earthing is just fantastic. And there's been so much like um, research into the benefits of it, both in the short term and the kind of long term in chronic illnesses as well. So I would recommend anyone who has a little bit of grass or a park or the beach, just take your shoes off and just really feel that connection to the earth. Because I think it's something that we lose a lot of the time because we're inside concrete buildings and we're often don't have the time to get out into nature. And that can just be so soothing. And it's a really simple practice. Um, And the other thing I love to do is like what I would call kind of like an awe walk or some people would sort of say like a forest bathing type approach. But Mm. I think the awe for me is like looking at something outside in the most minuscule of details to actually really see it. So like it can be your plot plant, for example, but, or the tree outside or maybe a ladybird, but actually just really looking and it's a practice of focusing It's like when we focus on the breath, but just looking at the colors, looking at the texture and trying to come back to that sense as if you had never seen it before in your life. And you are just really appreciative of like the beauty of it and that it exists. And I think those those two practices I try to do, particularly when I'm like feeling like I get either super tense or super kind of agitated, just doing something like that can just really calm me and bring me back down to, you know, where I am right now. Yeah. I mean, it's like slowing down, just slowing down and just noticing and how often, you know, I was watching the other day as, you know, someone was crossing the street and they weren't paying attention. They had the phone in their hand and they're looking down, you know, and how often are we doing that instead of just like, just put the phone away and look up and just you know, enjoy the beauty, you know, as we just passed a full moon, you know, just pause, look, and just notice. So I love that. Um, and it's something everyone can do. So that's great. Have you ever tried those, um, earthing mats that you have indoors at all? No, I haven't. No, I haven't I'm either. So I was wondering, cause I'm like, um, I know they, some of them can be quite expensive, but like you're, you're supposed to, you know, put it underneath your feet at the desk and, you know, try that earthing mat. So I was curious to see if you've tried it and see yeah. if it, you know, if it works. <laughs> Yeah, because they have, um, have, there's a movie, right? There's an amazing documentary. So. I think it's called Earthing. Yeah. Or something like that. And there's it's a book too. I read the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely worth watching the documentary because it's just amazing to see people's journeys by just adding something simple. And yeah, they use the mat, I think, in that to try to stimulate the same type of feeling. I mean, it's about, it's about our touch senses, isn't it? It's about the energy and when we think about it, there's energy moving all the time through the earth, through us. So it just makes so much sense when we think about it. Yes. Oh. 
Well, I would love to know, you know, since kind of diving into yoga and meditation, what have been some of your most um, profound teachings that you've discovered maybe about yourself or, you know, different things that you've suggested to patients and seen the benefits from? That's a really good question. I think the aspect of silence has been really interesting for me because uh, I'm often someone who has a tendency to think about either what's coming or what's happened. And so if I'm not careful, I can spend a lot of my day like rethinking the conversation that I had, which is actually a waste of my energy because I can't change the conversation I had. Um, or I'm thinking about what I might say in the future, which also is a bit ridiculous because that, that event may never even happen. I think what I've been able to do with aspects of silence is to sit with that and to observe, but also to, to continually to come back to that place of stillness. Um, so I was really fortunate that some of my yoga teacher training, I was able to, to do silence within that. We did a lot of silent practice and it's something that I then sought out. I, you know, go on a silent retreat, silent meditation retreat, because I find it so energizing for me. And I had never realized that, you know, which is a lot of my life I'd spent without realizing that I needed that silence. So it's now something that I know that at times I can switch into it. And, and it's really quite a healing modality for me, I think. Mm. Yes. I mean, I can totally agree with that. And that's something that I didn't notice, you know, how often, like my dad, we, I have three younger brothers and anytime I could always tell if my dad drove my car, cause he would shut my radio off. And so I knew he either, you know, you know, changed the oil or did something. And so I, now as an adult, I'm like, Oh, I totally know what he was doing. Like he just needed some silence because he had four kids and his, that was his time away. of like, let me get into the car. I just need that quietness. And, you know, I'm like, this is something that I can appreciate now as an adult of just that, that time away. And sometimes it can be like, overwhelming that silence can be like, Oh my goodness. Like I am with my thoughts. Um, if someone's kind of like in that freak out mode, do you suggest like breath work or just how do you kind of get people to calm down from that initial, like that, that wave that might hit you? Yeah. So I, I think it's about bringing yourself back. So the breath can be a tool for that, but I think it's like continually. And I have to do this sometimes like continually bring myself back to the now. And I think the senses can be really helpful. So I love to just put my hands onto whatever I'm sitting on. And I think I suppose that's a little bit like the earth thing, but just giving you a sense of stability and continually thinking this is the present moment. And I think that's why the breath work is so beautiful because it is so connected to that present moment. Uh, and you're right, it can be quite overwhelming, particularly if, um, you know, a lot of us have so much going on. There's been so much going on in the world over the last two years that it's not to always stop that we realize that we are in this kind of response of react, 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 which just means that you're living in this sort of heightened neurological life really, which is not good for anyone. Um, so yeah, it can be uncomfortable. And I think for me, I would just say like, just keep at kind of re refocusing, refocusing on the here and now. Yeah. And is that something, especially in the last couple of years, have you seen nervous systems just kind of fried or in that fight or flight constantly? And is that stuff that you would recommend like that, the breath work and the stillness for people who might be feeling like they still haven't kind of came down from that energy yet? 
Yeah, I think the, what we know from those practices is that they really induce that sort of parasympathetic nervous system. So like the sympathetic nervous system, it goes into overdrive when we're in that kind of fight or flight syndrome. So like the stimuli, the like, how am I going to survive this moment? What am I going to do next? How am I going to do this? And um, we need that to protect ourselves. It's an inherent part of us. But if we're in that all the time, even just thinking about that event can trigger those same chemicals in the body. So getting us into tip into that other neurological state where it's much calmer has such beneficial impacts on like anxiety levels, stress, sleep. Um, And I definitely think that that's something that all of us, all of us have experienced something with the the pandemic um, that triggers that sort of hyper-stimulated response. And so, yeah, these, these breathwork techniques and the meditation and the silence, I think can be just so helpful for anyone who feels like they are tipping too much into that one zone. Yeah. Um, How would you, so in Ayurveda, we like to do with balance. And so I would love to know from like, you know, your own perspective of how do you help people find that balance, you know, as those doctors that are coming to you that are really stressed out and, you know, like making that time. Cause I think the biggest thing that I've seen, you know, and I'm, um, as I'm, as we're recording this, I'm wrapping up my, my self-care with your cycle challenge. And I think the hardest thing for people to do is like, we think we have to spend an hour doing these self-care practices a day, or it won't make a difference. Um, and what people are finding there or in the challenge are like, oh my goodness, like five minutes actually makes a difference. So how do you kind of help people find that balance? Is it, you know, trial and error? Do people have to kind of hit that bottom before they try things or what have you kind of seen for, for helping people not have to hit the bottom. Yeah. So I think it's about understanding your motivation to get where you want to be first. I think that is so helpful, like understanding what it is that is making you feel uncomfortable about the situation that you're in. And often that I think that's driven by like your values and like having that time. So you will have done so much of this in your yoga training. We take the time to like really reflect inwards. And for a lot of people, I just don't think that they have that opportunity. So I think there is a bit of that mindset work of really understanding why we want to change something. And then in terms of like the how, I totally agree with you. This like, I think the five minute aspect of it can be so helpful because we all know that we probably spend five minutes somewhere in our day doing something that is not beneficial, scrolling on our phones or clicking into Netflix or whatever it is, um, that finding that little five minute slot, I think can be super helpful just to know it doesn't have to be, you know, an hour, two hours. And I find that a lot of people can do that with their mornings, Mm. even though a lot of people might say, I'm not a morning person, but I do really believe that what you, how you do, how you set up your first part of your day makes a massive difference to the rest of your day. So that's what I like to try and work on with people is to like try and find those tiny moments where they can start making a difference and add things in that are going to be beneficial to their health and well-being. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And that's one that I have a lot of, you know, like moms who have younger kids and I, you know, I tell them like, just even just sipping your coffee and, you know, some of my friends, you know, who have four kids, like that's still, that's a lot. Um, And so after you know, I'm like, after you drop the kiddos off at school, that can be your time. It doesn't have to be first thing. So I think sometimes when we hear that morning, we think, okay, immediately right away. But again, when we have little kids, sometimes you're like, I don't have that space. I'm like, you can do it at 
10 o'clock, if that's the time that's free and your kiddos are all off at school, um, or maybe you only have one kiddo at home and they might have a little screen time Well, you can have a little me time, you know, and just kind of making that work. Cause I think that's, that's the thing too, is like, you know, how can we look at some of the suggestions and instead of putting up roadblocks, cause I think that's our automatic default is like, Oh, you know, Dr. Rachel said this, but I'm throwing up a roadblock instead of being like, well, how could I make that work for me? I could make it morning, but I'm going to tweak it. So it doesn't have to be at 5am or 6am. It can be at 10am. Um, cause I think that's, that's something that I've seen in my practice too, with like, okay, how can, how can we make this work? And there's always a way, but, you know, just kind of removing those roadblocks and like just truly listening and hearing, um, and just seeing how can this fit into my life? Yeah. Yeah. And I think something that I've done for myself and I do with my clients is sometimes just to look at a day. So like, look at a day yesterday and just sort of think, what did I actually do? Mm. And actually make yourself write it down. Because sometimes when you do that, you realize, oh, I I could have done something different with that time. And then you look at the activities that you are doing. And yeah, sometimes we're super full with things that are for other people or the life that we're living, but see if there's anything you're doing where it's not as beneficial to you as it could be because those are the things that you, if you can change that time you're going to feel the the best right you're going to see the most benefit yeah yeah and if i mean if you're feeling exhausted and you're like oh hey, you know you can't think cuz i've been in that like yesterday was an exhausting day for me i was like there's no way i was going to be thinking of anything you know to do but then if i'm looking at my week i'm like you know i'll be on a plane you know, for tomorrow. And so I have time on that plane to kind of think about, you know, what is that next evolution or, you know, I kind of do things seasonally. So I'm like, okay, what is, what do I, as we're recording this, it's the start of summer and what do I want my summer to look like? And, you know, those are just little ways, like what pockets can you kind of find instead of thinking it has to, um, you know, fit into like a Monday where you're like, you know what, my Wednesday is more open. So let me make it Wednesday be the day to plan my week, maybe from Wednesday to Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. The flexibility. I think that's the key, isn't it? It's realizing that you have the, you can make the rules mm. as to what it, mm. most of us have the ability to, to make the rules about our own self-care really. Um, but I think you're, you've touched on something there about the kind of roadblocks. I think we all have an innate nature sometimes to say that's going to be too difficult. Uh, and that's the bit where I think the motivation for change yeah. can be super helpful. And having that um, vision that like, where yeah. do I, where do I want to go? And that's again, the, the taking that time of being like, okay, let me take the time to have that vision. So then you'll have that motivation. But sometimes I don't know if we always have that. We don't know where we want to go. So it's hard to have the motivation to practice the self-care because we don't have that vision. And I've been there many a times where I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm like, I want to be there, but you know, I haven't sat down to actually know where is there, where is that yeah. next there? And we all do that, especially if you run yeah. your own business, you're like, oh yeah, I do that all the time. Cause you're working so much in your business that like to step out and step away, like, and look, work on the business. Where is that vision? Um, you know, and in your own life, the same thing, you know, where is that, where is that vision? So I love that. So I would love to know, you know, what are you most excited for right now in your life as you know, we're going to be starting summer. Is there anything that you're really, um, excited to see you in your practice or within your own life? So the way we live here is very connected to the land around us. So we are creating a space where we're growing as much as our vegetables and fruit as possible. So the change of the seasons here really marks, you can really see the change in nature. So it is immensely exciting to see things grow, 
and to see all the insects and the birds and everything around us kind of coming into this rhythm where it's just ease, like they all know what to do. Um, And so I love that because it makes me just feel like part of it rather than like living on the world. It makes me just feel part of the world. So for me, I love this time of year because I get to do my meditation or my asana practice outside. Mm -hmm. And I just love how there's something so refreshing about that. I mean, yes, obviously it's the fresh air, the sunshine, but it's, um, it just makes me feel really connected to where I am. Um, and so that's quite special. I love it. Do you switch your routines up with the seasons? Yeah. 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 So this is something I've had to learn a bit more, I think, since living in France. So in the UK, we don't have quite as much change of the seasons, but here in the mountains, it's very, very different. Um, and so, yeah, I've really noticed as the seasons change, I change my sleep routine. Mm -hmm. I change my meditation, my asana. Um, yeah, really looking at different patterns, you know, now for instance, it's getting very, very hot in the afternoon. So it's a very sort of low energy time and it's kind of, you have to be guided, I think, by what nature is doing, because if you don't, you're just battling, you know, if I tried to go outside now and I don't know, dig a bed of vegetables or something. It would just be exhausting. Like I have to take take a lot of tips and hints from what's going on outside. I think that's a, that's a key thing too. I didn't realize this growing up, you know, I would spend hours at the pool swimming, you know, my mom would just drop us off and we were just at the pool. And then I would go to basketball practice in the evening. And my coaches would always be like, Andrea, were you at the pool all day? I'm like, yes. And they could tell I couldn't because I felt fine, but they're like, they could tell, they could see my energy was just lower. And I didn't understand. I'm like, well, why does, you know, I'm a kid. Like, why doesn't that matter? And then realizing the sun, it takes a lot out of you, especially if you're in it all day. And I was active in the pool. And then you're supposed to be active at basketball. Like that's a lot of activity. And now having studied Ayurveda, I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense because, you know, we're supposed to like rest during that, that heat of the day. And, you know, just as you had said, like, if I'm going to go out and exert myself, you're going to probably come back just exhausted and be done for the rest of your day. Cause you're going to be too tired. Um, so I think that's a beautiful thing. There's just noticing like, Oh, how do I feel if I've spent the afternoon out in the sun? And sometimes we have to do things in that, you know, heat of the day, but just noticing, Oh, how does this affect me? And, um, you know, tapping into that inner wisdom of nature, I think is so beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's something that I think without my kind of yoga practices, and that more holistic approach to well-being, I don't think I would notice so much what my energy is like. And I think it can be so powerful because you start to notice, you could, like you say, you can tap into what you need right now. Um, and without that, I think you can just kind of blindly go on. So I think people can do that even in the asana practice, right? You can sort of think, okay, I love vinyasa and I'm going to do vinyasa every day for 280 days. <laughs> and then you're just doing it rather than actually thinking, okay, I'm on my mat. What does my body feel like? Um, maybe I need to do a slower practice. Maybe I need to do some yin. Maybe today I just need to sit um, tuning yes. in. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, yeah, that's, I'm all about like, you know, the menstrual cycle too. And just noticing, okay, if I'm bleeding, like, I don't want to do an intense practice, like just relax, chill, maybe take a nice forward fold and that's it for the day. So I think that's huge of just that slowing down piece and like noticing what your body needs and just, it will tell you if, if we slow down to listen. 
Um, and I, I come from the background of just pushing, pushing and every day, every workout needs to look the same and follow the program or, you know, just scrap it all because I didn't follow it to the T and that strict background. Cause I think a lot of us, that's just how we were brought up. Everything should be the same every season, um, all month long. And then realizing, oh no, like there's a reason that I do feel drained from sitting in the sun. And, you know, in the winter months, there's a reason that like, yeah, we need to be moving so we can get that energy because it doesn't necessarily come automatically because the sun is not up very long. Mm -hmm. So all of those little things. So thank you for, you know, just reminding us all of tuning into nature and just kind of noticing how, um, you know, as this airs, it will be sliding into fall soon. And so just noticing how does that feel in your body and, um, you know, what does that bring up? So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rachel. So oh, I would love, welcome. yeah, I would love to know where people can connect with you at, um, what's your website and, um, any social media. Yeah. So my brand is called resilience yoga. So my website is resilienceyoga.fr cause I'm in France. Um, and at the moment I teach on the insight timer platform. So if anyone hasn't in, um, explored the insight timer app, then I would definitely recommend it. It's an amazing community. It's got lots of free content on there. So you can find lots of meditation teachers. I teach twice a week doing some breathwork sessions. So if anyone wants to come and join me, they're very welcome to, um, and then obviously my Facebook page, either Rachel Beanland or my resilience yoga page, um, feel free to send me a DM and connect. And uh, I just love connecting to people. You know, I think that is the absolute joy of social media and the internet is that we get to do this you and I get to have a conversation like this which is just a real pleasure and I think we should enhance that kind of connection with people much much more Mm, I love it well I would love uh, one final question for you as I always like to throw out a weekly challenge then when I have a guest on I have you throw out the challenge so what would you like that challenge to be this week So I think as we've been talking about nature so much, I would love to give your audience a challenge to try and find something every day that is natural and just spend maybe a couple of minutes, maximum five minutes, just looking, just being with that object, whether it's a plant, tree, whatever, just find something different every day and really just notice. Love it. Yeah. Perfect. That is great. And especially as like the the seasons will be shifting, you can kind of just notice. So love it. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your wisdom, Dr. Rachel. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been really wonderful to chat to you. Yeah. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.